The In Stuff podcast is brought to you by Scratch Band, the brand new way to help you stop touching your face. Why is everyone telling you to wash your hands these days? Because they're covered with germs. Every time you touch your face, you're helping to put those germs into your body and make yourself sick. Until now, Scratch Band's patent-pending design allows you to scratch your face with your wrist instead of your fingers, shielding you from those gross hands. Made of medical-grade silicon, you can sanitize it in the dishwasher, washing machine, or even a microwave. So stop touching your face and making yourself sick and join the evolution. Scratch Band. More information at scratchband.life. Kristen, welcome back to another episode of the In Stuff podcast. I'm feeling very NPR right now. With me today, what Christ- happened, Kristen Buffard? I don't know. <laughs> Caffeine like crashed or something like that. I'm, I, we haven't done this in two weeks because I was on a trip last week to Oklahoma. Do, 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 do. <laughs> That's that sounds more like what this podcast rocks. <laughs> but it gets to stay in. Frank Lloyd Wright's only skyscraper, which was amazing. It's in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. 18 stories tall. And uh, yeah, I, I thought I was going to kind of surprise you when I said that it, I felt like Frank Lloyd Wright was more of an artist than an architect. And you were like, duh. 100%. I, <laughs> I agree with that statement. Show me a building of his that doesn't leak water somewhere. Yeah. Well, exactly. I yeah. mean, those are huge and endemic issues with um, Frank Lloyd Wright structures. But yeah. I grew up in Pennsylvania where everybody is familiar with falling water. Absolutely. Which has problems of its own. Yeah. Um, I read a little bit about when the people moved in and I guess there was a lot of rain and the living room flooded one time or something. Can I you don't imagine? Know. No. I, I guess got to feel like it's someone who lives in a not terribly pretty house that has a lot of issues... That pretty has got to wear off fast when you're like <laughs> shoveling water back into the stream that runs through your living room. And I think there were like sticks and stuff that washed like, I don't know. Nice to visit. Wouldn't want to live there. I think is how I describe. <laughs> He's one of those stuff. really big thinkers from mm-hmm. the middle of, well, early to middle um, 20th century though. Yeah. That he got I think started is... in the like late 1800s. So Right. And so that that time period is fascinating to look at because you had people that were really trying some interesting ideas out on a large scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think he was one of them when it comes to architecture in particular. And he had a diverse set of skills or he tried his hand at a number of things where he was able to build a diverse set of skills. Mm -hmm. But the details, like the minutia of executing them well, I think was kind of hit and miss. So, yeah. Yeah. His aesthetic is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love windows in corners. He's big into that. And that is a really cool thing. And that sort of blending of inside and outside is very cool. Yeah. Having a low slung roof, 
but mm-hmm. still being able to integrate like a wide panoramic view from the inside to the outside, making you feel like when you're inside, you're looking outside, but from the outside view in, it looks like the structure is part of the landscape is mm-hmm. really great. But there are other issues, I think, as a homeowner of one of his properties that I would feel very frustrated about. Yeah. It was cool. Cool to be in one of his buildings, be able to sleep there was, was pretty neat. And his stuff is really gorgeous. And I don't know how much to to blame on him and how much to just say is, you know, just part of it being an old building. This was built in the, finished in the sort of mid to late 1950s. So, you know, it's got almost 70 years there's things that are going to go wrong, but we say things like that, but there are houses and structures in Europe that are hundreds of years old that are still standing. Yeah. And this is still standing, but like the elevator door got stuck when I tried to open it. <laughs> that oh. was never happened to me before. And there was a massive wasp infestation and there was water pooling in an outside area because it's supposed to drain down, but doesn't. So down is no longer down. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it was a really pretty building. I'm really glad I got to do it. And look forward to seeing some more Frank Lloyd Wright houses. But uh, I don't know. There was a, a, a apprentice of his built a house across the street from where I grew up. And I always thought it was weird and got to go in it. And it's just beautiful. It's just wonderful, cozy, makes you smile just to be in there. And it just seems lovely. But the ceiling leaks all the time because it's got a flat roof. Uh-huh. From what I understand, it only has a carport, too, in Michigan, which is a little bit... Does everybody have a garage in Michigan? Everyone has a garage. Really? In uh, that street anyway. Hmm. Yeah, not necessarily everywhere in Michigan. Anyway, so that's where I was. And how was your last week? Your last week was good. Good. I don't have any fun stories. I stayed in town and just did regular life things. But they were all good. Your neighbor got three vehicles stuck in their lawn. Oh, we're not allowed to talk about that? (laughs) Does your neighbor listen to the podcast? I would be shocked. No. <laughs> you don't want to get evicted? It, yeah. That was a big feel no. <laughs> All right. You should have told me that was not for public consumption. It's that time of year where everything is just super icy and it's like. We got dumped with snow and I just, for fun, tried out. I talked about this already. My snowblower and it, it just couldn't do it. Super wet. It's wet it's snow. nasty and yeah. now it's mostly melted. Anyway. Today, we're talking about Gen Z, which was sort of, which sort of is my idea, because I'm reading this book called um, iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood, and What It Means for the Rest of Us, which is written by Jean Twenge. And I don't know where I saw this, but she's, she's made rounds on the the news shows i think someone i was watch some cnn or msnbc is what talked about it and so i started reading it and just found it very interesting how different this gen z she's trying to call it the i generation for the internet generation but doesn't seem to be quite catching on so it was her was her premise that gener, Gen Z is the first generation to only know life with the internet from birth. Correct. Okay. Yes. So that's, yes, that's the precedent. And so she talks about it being basically, sorry, I'm blinding you with the cover of this book. <laughs> this the bright sun shining in right now. <laughs> um, 
this generation being from approximately 95 to approximately 2010, which is about what the, the Gen Z generation is described as, as well. A little bit later in the 90s and a little bit later in the 2010s. But basically, they've, they have no memory of life before the internet. And they're coming of age when the iPhone and iPod and well, iPod Touch and all this technology appears and begins to become ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. So they have access to technology, which means they also, if they have access, if they have access to the technology, they also have access to the information, and they also have an easier route to express themselves. And I, I would imagine. Well. Easier route to connect with other people mm-hmm. than our generation. We are Gen X. We are. Which is like early 70s to early 80s. And this graphic <clears throat> I'm looking at says Gen X starts in 1965. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a few different definitions of that, but. There's I... kind of two. So what I've, what I've come across might be different than what you've come across. And I think that's interesting as well as people define what a generation is, there's not necessarily a set in stone um, interval of time mm-hmm. for a generation. There's right. generally accepted intervals of time. And it seems too that it's, um, you know, the generations that we're going to talk about apply to American culture and not necessarily other cultures around the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just, I've always identified as Gen X. There are some who try and kick me out because I'm 77, but I, was, you I and I are both late Gen X. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a little later than you are. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like we identify in a lot of the same things, and I feel like mm-hmm. I definitely identify more with with Gen Xers than I do Gen Y, which would be my sister. Or millennials, sorry. Thank well, you. no, they're the same. Oh, they are. Gen y, Generation Y and millennials right, are the yeah. same. Mm-hmm. Um, generation Gen Z, they're the Zoomers too. Okay. They don't have a funky name for the Gen X. No. That I've come across yet. And that's one of the arguments that Twangy is making is that iGen better defines rather than just being the next letter. Better defines this generation. So, I I mean, I got to say, I, I agree with her. But it really turned me off when she said in here, like, I'm the first one who's come up with this, as far as I know. <laughs> That's, she literally says, like, as far as I know, I'm the first one who suggested this should be the iGen. I'm like, eh. But don't they already have a name? They, they have a title. They already have a name. Anyway, having mostly raised an iGen slash, what should we call it? Should we call it, let's call it iGen. Should we shoot twangy uh Give her, throw her a bone, or should we just? I want to know what the difference is between the generally accepted Gen Z and iGen. Uh, just the argument that iGen is a more clear description of them. Okay. Just like Baby Boomer is a better description than Gen X. What does Gen X say? We're not. That's not the same generation, though. I know, but it's a different name for generation. Baby Boomer is a better describes a generation better than Gen X. What does Gen X say? It's just like. Gotcha. We couldn't think of a name for you. It was the next in the sequence. Right. Okay. Well, it wasn't even because there was no Gen T U V W. 
<laughs> I couldn't remember what letter came before X. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Technically, baby boomers are Generation W. Right. But no one ever calls them that. Wow. Unless you're writing on a research paper. You're so contentious today. Oh, <laughs> glad I had those two weeks off. All right. So I want to talk about this because... I assumed that my daughter would feel the same way about the world that I felt. And so I started asking her questions about that, mm -hmm. you know, maybe when she was 10 or something like that. And I was amazed by the answers. And the answers are straight up Gen Z. It was amazing to me. So As her I read answers this book, align with Gen Z exactly. across the board. Yep. She's pretty much like straight up fits this mold, which I thought was very interesting and just very different from how we approach the world in some ways, you know, for better or worse. And that's part of what we can kind of talk about. It's difficult to make, and, and, and Twangy is very clear about this. It's difficult to make, um, judgments about this because it's not necessarily always a good or bad thing. Some of these. That, and I think you're making broad statements about a group of people. Mm-hmm. A, a huge group of people that just kind of get blocked together in a cohort by age yeah. and when they were born. Right. Yeah. So one of the first things that she talks about is growing up slowly. Gen Z is in no hurry to become an adult. So a lot of them, which was this exact situation for my daughter, are not that interested in becoming, getting their driver's license. In fact, have to be like nagged. I had to nag my daughter. I said, if, if you don't, get your driver's license you're like i'm not taking you to places where <laughs> i'm just like you know i'd have to drive her someplace for like an hour across town and then come back it was really annoying when you were her age did you want your driver's license desperately yeah i i was so pumped to get that thing as fast as i could so i could have freedom and go places and do things and be more grown up. I could not wait to become an adult. I remember watching sitcoms with kids who were featuring kids who were like older than me, you know, like 17, 16, 17 and being whatever, 13 and just being like, ah, <laughs> I cannot. I remember being so, I remember very specifically being so frustrated. Why can't I be older? Because you were I'm angsty. so tired of being a kid. <laughs> I want to be an adult. And then I got to be an adult and I was like, this stinks. I want to go back to being a kid. <laughs> And it was over and you can't go back. And so I asked my daughter, I was like, do you like being a kid? You know? And she's like, yeah, looks like being an adult is no fun. You got to pay bills. It's stressful. I'm happy to be a kid. That blew me away. We never got the message when we were her age. Cause I wanted to be an adult as fast as possible. Really? Yeah. You got your driver's license like as fast as possible. When I was 16, possible. as yep. soon as I could get my permit, I was, I think I was 15. Yeah. And I Me just too. had to drive with my parents or drive with another licensed person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to be as adult as I could possibly be as fast as possible. Absolutely. Yep. I remember telling my friends when I got my license, you know, that like, it's cool. You get to drive your friends around, especially you get to be one of the first ones who has access to a car and a license. I said, we can go wherever you want, but it has to be all right turns because left turns are scary. I remember saying in that. Michigan, it's too many ways. You have to look both ways. <laughs> right turns much, much easier. Left turns just like my friends all, I think had a similar mindset though. Cause I remember when we all got our driver's licenses, it, it being an issue after a bit, cause we'd want to go do something 
And the question that would follow that conversation would be, do you have gas money? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yep. That's another issue. And I remember my friend, I, I felt like an old man trapped in a young man's body for much of my childhood. I got along better <laughs> with adults than I did other kids. And I remember the kids, kids in my car saying they wanted to do, and I know this isn't appropriate, but it was the term at the time, a Chinese fire drill. You familiar with that? I am familiar with where that. everyone jumps out of the car, runs around it, and jumps back into the car. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "If you do that, I'm locking the doors and driving away without you." <laughs> You're so I responsible. I mean, I was such a responsible. I mean, I was getting my pilot's license at the same time. <laughs> I flew like 700 miles. I think is what you have to do for a license. At 17, I flew solo, and basically all the way up to northern Michigan and back. At 17. And you got kids today who are scared or disinterested in getting a license. Did you stop mid-flight so everybody could get out and mix it up and get back in the plane? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was solo. I remember landing at one airport and asking, there was supposed to be a landing fee. And the guy was just so impressed. There was a 17-year-old. He was like, don't worry about the landing fee. Wow. <laughs> anyway, they so they're content to be kids. They, they're in no hurry to grow up. So they're not getting their driver's license. They're hanging out with their parents a lot more. Hmm. And it's so weird. It's so weird. I don't get why because there's so many restrictions you have when you have a, when you're a kid, don't don't you? You know, I just didn't have the sense when I was that age that adults wanted to hang out with me. Like no. this just wasn't a relationship that it's I don't want to it's not fair to say it wasn't nurtured, but the the difference in interest seemed broad. I felt like adults, you weren't the center of the world <laughs> for an adult, like like kids are for parents today. Hmm. I played basketball for two years in high school and pretty much hated it the whole time. My parents came to maybe one or two games. Oh, Did you just play basketball because you were tall? Yeah. You, but you hated it? Uh, I hated the, the coaches and I hated my teammates. <laughs> Goodness. But... I just kept, I did it another year because I forgot. Over, over the course of this summer and stuff, I was like, You oh, forgot you didn't like it? It wasn't that bad. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the JV coaches will be better. And it was just as terrible <laughs> and a brutal experience. And I was glad my parents didn't come to games because it stressed me out. My daughter expects me to come to games. Like all, uh, not all, but like a lot of games. Yeah, I but have, she's playing volleyball, right? Yeah. It's way more fun than basketball. It's pretty fun. I'll yeah. give you that. But those bleachers are hard on your butt after a while. <laughs> old man. I become quite the old bleacher connoisseur. <laughs> um, Monroe, the Catholic high school in town, has lovely bleachers. Where are they padded? They're, I think they're plastic. You know, they've got a little carve-out butt divot oh. for you. They're quite pleasant. But West Valley, where she goes, just flat-out wood. Let me tell you. You get, sometimes they end up playing five games. Wow. And you're just, after a while, you're just like standing up. Anyhow, <laughs> our parents, I think, certainly wanted good things for us, but we were not the center of the world to them. Were you Were you getting drugged to, I had to take piano lessons mm -hmm. for like a couple of years. But we... it wasn't like it was intended to get me into a good school or anything. It was just because my mom wanted me to know music. I did a few things like I was in sports in high school, but at that time I was also old enough to drive 
so I drove my siblings around. I'm the one who did the chauffeuring mm, for everybody mm. to go to dance class and go to track, track practice and all that stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't my parents going at all. Yeah, exactly. They were pretty, pretty I mean, I walked to and from elementary school. I biked solo to middle school. I, I think... My mom might have taken us to school when we were really young, but after a while, we just walked with the other neighbor kids. You walked to elementary school? Yeah. Nobody which, kidnapped you? No, somebody tried one time. I, wow. <laughs> uh, we were, me and my buddy were, and his brother were walking home in elementary school, and a car pulled up behind us, maybe 30 feet or so behind us, and said, hey, kids, come over here. And we had been very well trained that that means you're going to get kidnapped, so we ran. <laughs> home to Good his house you. and called the police and this poor policeman came out and was just like was not interested in it and we were all excited and he was trying mad at us for all talking at the same time and nothing ever happened to it <laughs> he's like they probably just wanted directions like who asks a 10 year old for directions that's a terrible it idea it was creepy yeah were they I, in I a, could go a white van more. i was a blue car i <laughs> I probably wasn't, but my recollection is it was a blue car. Hmm. <laughs> where that looked like a couple of guys, like maybe late teens, early 20s. That's weird. Who yells out at kids walking home? Mm -mm. It's a miracle I'm here. That's just one of the miracles I survived. Miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pointing out the Michigan accent again. Why do I keep <laughs> using that word? Okay. So, yeah. And then I desperately wanted to become a pilot. So my my parents supported that. They paid for my flying lessons, Those are nice which parents. was expensive, yeah. you know. But I don't think they ever like came down to really check out the thing. They didn't really know what I was doing. And I was just doing this by myself. I would go take my lessons, flew solo after just about seven hours of instruction. I think I was 16 years old. I flew by myself. It was not pretty. Hmm. Anyway, these kids don't want to grow up. And what do you think the ramifications are of a generation that does not want to be an adult? I'm not 100% sure yet because the questions I have... The big questions, I think, start a little bit later in life. So, I guess, are they going to school? Are they mm -hmm. interested in early relationships? Are they having children early or late? I think those those things are the first questions that I would ask to see what happens to this generation in adulthood as they're working their way into their professional careers. Sure. Well, so the youngest of them are just out of college, mid-20s now. Um, so, well, let's keep going over what, what other traits this group seems to have in common. You can, we can make our judgment calls later. Um, so they're online all the time, which is amazing to me because I feel like this generation doesn't well, I can't say they don't know boredom, but 
part of maybe why they're not in such a rush to grow up is because they have so much entertainment around them. We needed cars to go do stuff because there's nothing to do at home. That is true. TV got boring. It was terrible at some times of the day. And video games were not great. Definitely got boring as well. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to have any interaction with people, you could sit and talk on the phone forever with one person until somebody yelled at you. Get off the phone. Get off the phone. I know. But even then... you were in competition for a single line if you had a a household filled with multiple people. Exactly. And we didn't have a cordless phone. So I remember at some point when I was older in college having to take the phone around the corner and Mm -hmm. like basically like sit in a closet with the phone to have a private conversation. Right. So you got this like phone cord crossing multiple doorways, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, So I, one thing I have worried about with this generation is that they, their mind never has time to wander because any minute they have a fraction of a second of time to chill out, they can just go on their phone. And there's something new there and stimulating. So, whereas for us, you know, you had plenty of time to sit around and think because there was a lot of downtime. You rode the bus to school, there was nothing to do. You could maybe read a book. You could do your homework. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Because that's uh, that's combining two of the worst things. A, the morning. (laughs) B, the bus ride. C, homework. Why would I make it worse? (laughs) The thing that I wonder about is, let me say this again, or try again, Gen Z does have access to the internet all the time, Mm -hmm. which gives them avenues to entertainment, endless entertainment, let's say. Mm -hmm. But it also gives them the opportunity to speak their mind in a way that we certainly didn't have because Mm -hmm. there was no internet. We weren't accidentally getting published in our teens. So it was a long time before we got to a point, Gen X got to a point where we could express ourselves uh, to a large audience, unless we had a platform somewhere else. And what would mm-hmm. that, what would that have been? Educational cable access. That's my, that was my outlet. We're not talking about you. Oh. No, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That's exactly it. So that's, that's also something that I wonder, are, do we hear more from Gen Z, because they actually have a platform earlier and mm, they're learning mm. how to access audiences earlier. And, right. you know, it, it may be good or, or bad. Yeah. Well, and along with that comes the issue of fake news. Gen Z is having to learn how to think critically, basically be media literate. Mm-hmm way earlier than we had to when we were growing up they were like four or five channels and they were all pretty credible you had cbs nbc abc uh pbs i mean these are all pretty mainstream reliable news sources for the most part Mm -hmm. now they have infinite sources of full the full range of credibility reliability and i have to learn like what what can I trust? And, you know, we had the paper, you had like one, maybe two papers in your community. And they were for the most part, pretty reliable, depending on where you were. 
So the internet has put them in a position of having to be really skeptical of the media that they're engaging with very early on and being exposed to unreliable news and information very early on too. Right. And we have just been hearing about some of those issues very recently because we have the Facebook whistleblower, mm-hmm. Francis Haugen, who was ex- was essentially saying that exact thing. Like young people are being exposed to these algorithms on Facebook and Instagram where they're being fed potentially harmful messages. Mm-hmm. As they're clicking around because the algorithms are the ones driving the recommendations for these news headlines or for content, essentially. And it's not that, I guess her, Francis's argument is for time-based timelines, which I think is interesting. So Mm. it's a way for people to understand how news is being recommended to them if it's time-based it's time-based and i remember a time on the internet when that was true Hmm. you were getting fed news feeds that were just posted and the most recent things were what you saw Mm -hmm. and then as ai started to get into these algorithms and to drive recommendations it was less clear how recommendations were being made for specific individuals and even now people that understand facebook the experts at facebook don't wholly understand how the recommendation engines are recommending things Mm -hmm. and i think that is concerning yeah and by default people are getting things about weight loss Mm. if they're interested in fitness or something so they're being funneled into these dark worlds that lead to poor body image issues and right. They may anorexia. not have started as having uh, any kind of body dysmorphia, but mm-hmm. you know, the more you end up falling down the well of the, these recommendations that it could go south, even though you hadn't planned for it mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So yeah. Where were we? we're talking about how they're online all the time i didn't mean to get down the facebook rabbit hole really Mm -hmm. but um i do agree that because they are online all the time and they are learning how to vet sources and how to vet the news they're consuming i think there are a lot of pitfalls in that process as they're learning how to do that and evaluate um what is credible and what isn't credible Mm -hmm. well we could i mean that's another issue that that Gen Z struggles with is a feeling of insecurity. And so we can talk about that now too. That's a pretty good transition. They, their exposure to social media is making them depressed. It's literally making them depressed based on the research. It's not that depressed people go to social media and, and just to sort of further get depressed. The more you engage in the social media, it, the more it makes you depressed oh they need to just turn it off they need to i've been telling my daughter when i see her on her phone are you on social media because it's just gonna make you depressed and she claims not to be but uh she might just be chatting with friends well that's the other thing well you keep jumping am i to another and i'm not complaining I don't it's even like have each your time notes. you bring up something i'm like that's another thing um <laughs> but so they've got the uh 
one of the things that Twangy talks about in the book is the new mental health crisis. You've got kids who are depressed, and one of the things she talks about is colleges are not quite prepared to deal with the amount of counseling that students need. And so you got students who are depressed, looking for help, and they're told, like, 10, we can get you an appointment in 10 days mm-hmm. and bad things happen as a result of that too. Mm-hmm. So that's deeply concerning to me that we have a generation of people who are battling depression, potentially at a level higher than previous generations. Right. And the counseling that they'll need for that. And then the fact that this technology that, we've made refuses to seem to want to change. So we have to have whistleblowers, but I don't see Facebook making dramatic changes or any of these other platforms. So we're just doomed to this fate of, well, (laughs) I think that's where there's an element of agency. I think that people need to take personally, like if we want to see that change, we should, continue to insist on it and i guess as parents understand it better they can say no it's not benign to just go sit and flip through social media over and over again right it's very interesting at one of my daughter's volleyball games i had some other high schoolers sitting fairly close to me so i could kind of see them interact with their phones it was just very weird to see how quickly they leap between apps and different things they're doing and the girl pulled up some video of a, of a large man getting out of a car showing his his butt crack. Mm-hmm. So it was basically just making fun of other people for their weight, and that's what was being passed around. And I thought, that does seem toxic. Yeah. You know? Something we never... We would have done in person, certainly. But to have that much toxic material getting shared all the time... I, I was trying to think of an analogy from my childhood that would have been so similar. There's nothing similar except what was in the comics in the Sunday paper. Mm, like sure. That was the thing that yeah. everybody, I think passed and around movies, movies made fun of a lot of oh, people yeah. and we're pretty brutal about that. Yeah. But in terms of every day, you could make fun of people around you. So there was more in-person bullying, but once you were home, you were, you were pretty much good. Mm hmm. I mean, I remember get getting sort of randomly picked on a couple of times as a kid, but I didn't really fit the profile of kids who got picked on. Right. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Um, so they've got this depression coming along mm-hmm. with it. So if you're looking for a career, I think mental health field will probably be a growth market for a while. Getting back to the other thing you're talking about of meeting with friends and stuff, they don't meet in person anymore. When you were a kid, how often would you say you got together with friends generally? Well, if they're in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. it was probably on the weekends and occasionally after school. Right. If they weren't in the neighborhood, it was occasionally some weekends because my parents would have to drive me. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania where uh, everybody okay. was really far apart. Mm-hmm. So it was... An exceptional weekend if I was going to see a friend. Okay. Yeah. I grew up in a fairly quiet suburb. So I remember for a while, every 
day after school, I'd go to my friend's house and we played Nintendo in his basement mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> uh, in the summer, it was bizarre, but I never saw my most of my friends in the summer. But um, I did the, the neighbor put a pool in when I was like late elementary school. And so any day that, that she would have the pool open in the afternoon, I mean, I just lived for that. Oh, heck yeah. That was the best thing ever to go down to the pool. And if like the fun kids were there, that was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> My daughter never hangs out with anybody. Well, there are no pools here. Well, there's no pools, but I'm like, have some people over go. I feel like I can count on one hand the number of times in the last couple of years that she's just hung out with friends you know they just don't do it anymore it's all over the the phone mm-hmm. and everyone seems to agree that it's not the same experience it's just easier and i think allows you to hang out with more people and i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know why they don't want to hang out with each other they just want to stay home with their parents Weird. Hang out with their parents, which I like to do too. I was a little bit of a, a homeboy, but homeboy, homebody. Home I was not a homeboy. <laughs> I mean, I spent a lot of time in the woods, so I wasn't a, a social butterfly either. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Every kid's different. The other thing that I might take the conversation away from where you want to go, but. Just just to kind of break up what we're talking about a little bit. The other thing that strikes me about how generations are defined is their popular, the popular culture and what everybody's familiar with in that cohort. So like mm-hmm. you and I understand or remember the 80s really well mm-hmm. and the early 90s. We remember grunge rock and we remember the movies that were out when we were a particular age and all the music that was either cool or memorable. Mm-hmm. We remember MTV because that was new when we were I didn't young. I had cable, so I missed out on all the cool You cable. missed out? Like none of your neighbors had cable? No. Not really? that I got to watch. My cousins had it, so I would occasionally get to see it at their house. We didn't have it, but I had a friend who lived the next road over who had it. And so mm-hmm. we watched MTV. Like that was the thing that we did after school because mm-hmm. that was the, that was the fun thing to do. Yeah. Um. And like CNN was also a new, a new thing too, that kind of defined our generation, that news network. Um, Cause that was also new. So like we can tell jokes and we get, we get those jokes cause we're in this generation. And it makes me wonder for the, for Gen Z, what that cohort is, what resonates with them? Like, are they all kind of remember like so-and-so on TikTok? I don't yeah, know. <laughs> that's a great point too that they have well what we talk about in the media and culture class that we taught together there's so much audience fragmentation mm-hmm. that there's there are far fewer chances for some sort of combined experience. Yeah, it, nobody's in terms of entertainment. Exactly. Know? Nobody's consuming this. Well, I would say, well, exactly what you said. I'm going to say the same thing, but there's a fewer. I wouldn't say it less well. Well, I'm thinking about the word. (laughs) There's less chance that people are watching the same content because there's so much of it. Yeah. 
There, I mean, there will, there are some breakout things. Like I, I feel like My Little Pony, my daughter is going to be able to share watching My Little Pony with other people, and there, there will Which be is some weird, examples. I remember My Little Pony from when I was young. Yeah, well, that's probably why it took off because parents always want to share with their kids the things they loved when they were kids. <laughs> it's like when I was a kid, I was excited about the monkeys be- and my mom was excited that I was excited about them because they, she was they- excited about the Beatles. No, the monkeys were from her era. Oh, they came back oh, around. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, that's coming around again. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, there'll be toys. Fidget spinners will be things that they remember and these new poppet things that are popular now. I don't know um, what a poppet is. It's basically reusable bubble wrap. What? You've probably seen them around. They're little bubbles that you can hmm. you can push and then reset and they're shaped in weird things. Yeah. I Interesting. Don't I don't know what kind of play value they have, but anyhow. Um I I I think social media in general will, will be the thing that they connect with. And there could be some social media stars that they remember, but yeah, there's way more potential for a much more fragmented experience that they're not going to be able to connect like we can on TV shows that, I mean, when I was a kid, it was like, if you're a kid, you're watching, I think my, my neighbor across the street was watching mash and I was watching, Dukes of Hazard. Those were like the yeah. options. Sitcoms. And he was older, so he liked MASH. Yeah. Everything was was programmed. Mm-hmm. The Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. Everybody watched The Cosby Show and some of these other sitcoms. So, I remember Family Ties. Family Ties, yep. And Full House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And they're really, like, you could probably count them all on two hands, the things I really remember well. Right. And now it's like... Every media outlet has streaming programming, not just the movies that are coming out and not just the TV shows that have already been produced, but they have like Amazon originals mm-hmm. and Netflix has their own things. So, And the thing about them is a lot of them are kind of one and done. Like Tiger King, people are going to remember Tiger King with the pandemic because mm. it was big during the pandemic, but it's something you could binge watch in like a week easily you couldn't binge watch cosby show because they only put it on like (laughs) once a week that's true so it went for years and years and years and it became this thing that defined a generation rather than a week like the simpsons (laughs) like the simpsons which is still going on the other thing that's interesting is particularly on well netflix and amazon because those are usually what i end up watching Mm -hmm. there's more access to foreign programming yeah that i never had access to growing up squid game yeah the biggest streaming hit of all time out of south korea i haven't watched it yet me either i don't i'm not interested because it's got so much gore and it's going to ruin these games that i used to like oh but it's really big really Hmm. big deal all right other things that gen z is different about they are less religious which is kind of a continuing trend among generations just becoming less religious than their parents. Hmm. But it's continuing with them, I think, probably to the concern of of those who are religious. I think churches are in big trouble 
seems people are leaning more toward sort of a sense of spirituality, but not a, an organized religion. And Gen Z might be just straight up done with spirituality as well. That's interesting. I don't have a sense for any of that. But when you were growing up, what percentage of your friends would you say were religious? That's a good question. I don't, I don't have a sense for that either. I know we went to church all of the time, Mm -hmm. but that church was outside of, let me think for a second. If people that went to the same, like junior high or high school, weren't necessarily going to the same churches because there were a number of churches in the area. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to, I don't really have a sense for how many people went or not. Mm Mm-hmm. Somehow I had a vibe. I don't I don't really know how. We went to church all the time. <laughs> all the time. So and it was my church had an evening service on Sunday which was the worst. All of the kids would be out playing on a summer day and we things would just be getting awesome and then my mom would be like, "Robbie, time for church." I'd be like, "I'll be back in an hour everybody. Come on. Keep playing." And every time I came back, it was done. Everybody's Aww. done playing. But I know that I think, yeah, how would I? I'd say at least half the people seem to be church related. And I was really like concerned about the people who weren't. I was like, oh no, like they're in trouble. I remember the kids across the street, like straight up atheists. I was like, wow, like what do they do for Christmas? What do they believe in? They seemed like almost alien to me. Hmm in many ways and it really concerned me as a kid and now it's yeah i don't know um yeah it's just a lot more a lot more common that people would at least belong to a religion if not go regularly but it seemed i i assumed the majority of people i knew were going to church it was (laughs) inconceivable to me to have two Saturdays in a weekend. (laughs) It was always Saturday and then Sunday you had to get up and go to church and it was kind of a a hassle. Um, Another thing that with uh, Gen Z is uh, they're more about safety and less about community. I think that kind of gets back into our idea of kids don't walk alone as much anymore. There's a sort of paranoia among parents i remember my daughter you know i don't know a year or two ago saying i'm gonna go for a jog and i was kind of freaked out really yeah Hmm. on my totally safe street in a totally middle class neighborhood with zero traffic almost with almost zero traffic i i'm genuinely creeped out about her walking alone and there are a lot of people that walk on your road too yeah and everyone's cool. It's just, you know, um, I part of it is like I know it's common for bad things to happen to women when they're jogging and when they're by themselves. Let me reassure you as somebody who runs all over these roads. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I've seen that's super nefarious. All right. Yeah. But a little nefarious? Nope. Not a thing. <laughs> right. And that's like in the dark. Wow. Yeah. All right. There's, there, I mean, there's enough traffic. There are enough people walking their dogs. There's enough like people out jogging in the morning that 
I feel this particular area is safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea that I don't feel it's safe and obviously she feels it's safe or she wouldn't do it, but well, I, still. I didn't feel safe. I wouldn't do it either. Yeah. I think there's a feeling among Gen Z that this is, they're picking up maybe on their parents' sense of like, maybe this isn't totally cool. Hmm. I'm not encouraging her to go walk by herself. In fact, I will go out of my way often to make sure she doesn't have to walk somewhere of any distance by herself. It makes me very nervous. So anyway, so I think that leads to even less connection with other people, less, not, not that you want to have meetings when you're walking, but the less you go places by yourself, the less meeting new people, the less interaction, the less sort of getting comfortable with that sort of environment. Um, another thing that Gen Z struggles with is income insecurity. So the, the boomers and, and I'd say the greatest generation is that what they, what are Mm -hmm. they? Okay. Their idea was, wait, wait, no, I take that back. The greatest generation was world war two. Oh, that's in between the silent generation was world war two, right? We have the lost generation around world war one. The silent generation is world war two. Oh, is that also the, the greatest generation? There's kind of some overlap. Greatest I mean, there, gener- so the greatest generation would have been born in like the 20s. 1900 to like 1927. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow, their idea was you get a job, you stay in the job forever. My dad worked for the state for like 30 years. Yeah. Um, our generation, I think, recognize that just didn't want that it wasn't that we couldn't necessarily have it but it's just like it didn't appeal to us at all Mm -hmm. and now gen z you know skipping over gen y they see the world as much less stable the jobs a lot of the jobs available to them have basically zero job security Um, there's a lot more sort of gig jobs out there. Yeah, they definitely, I would think, participate in the gig economy much more. Mm-hmm. But that yeah. is much more insecure because you, you, know, you have to find your own insurance and find your own retirement, all mm-hmm. of that. So I do worry a bit about them having seen the challenges of how COVID throws things, a wrench into things. And, you know... They they were like adolescent when the 08 housing crisis happened, sort of the economy, the recession hit from that too. So they've they've seen as kids some of that stuff, and now as they get older, they're they're seeing just how volatile the work working world can be. Whereas as Gen X, like I've never been involuntarily unemployed. I've never had a problem finding a a decent job. I had three job offers when I graduated. They weren't lucrative, but I certainly, I went to work two weeks after I graduated. Wow. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what kind of changes that has in the workforce, because these are going to be people who are more focused on 
some, I, I wonder if this can have effect on healthcare because this is a generation is going to see that having healthcare connected to your job is untenable, <laughs> you know? There needs to be some way to keep healthcare and not have it change every time you decide to want to work for Uber instead of Lyft. I mean, they don't not they have healthcare in the first place, but you know what I mean. What's the continuity? Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're going to be up for it. Whereas our parents' generation were like, well, sure. What's the difference? I'm going to be here 30 years. Yeah. So it's fine that it comes with my job. Um, the other thing that's interesting is they're not as obsessed with buying stuff as earlier generations and that blew me away my daughter just like doesn't want stuff which meant trying to i trying to convince her to get a job or do chores for money she didn't mm -hmm. care she's not motivated by she's money. not motivated by money is that a generational thing or is that how you've raised her well i'm like to take credit for that's so how i raised her but i definitely have not modeled that okay. i love stuff i want stuff all the time i'm addicted to getting stuff every day i go on ebay and hope there's something i well, I know, awesome. I know how you are, right? <laughs> but with her, like you've not raised her by lavishing gifts on her. Yeah, no. I have. I've have you? Her because that's what I wanted when I was a kid. Oh, okay. I remember Christmas day being like a little disappointed sometimes her birthday, like a little bit disappointed. I didn't get what I wanted. So I wanted to make sure she got boatloads of presents and a lot of it was crap and stuff. She didn't really care that much about. And I'd ask for her Christmas list and she would want stuff like, lip balm I'm like uh, can you give me something that's like 20 bucks or something like stuffed animal <laughs> she didn't want expensive things and she didn't want a lot of things that's cool and that is awesome and very strange to me because i wanted i've wanted everything my whole life <laughs> i wanted legos so bad i just i would, it would like make me insane how can i get more money when i was a kid i would borrow money so i could buy i was like hooked I'm like dad can i borrow money so i can buy a lego kit and we would loan me money yeah we were in a generation though where like that kind of marketing and franchising was new yeah but if you talk about generation that's been marketed to nobody's been marketed to like gen z well they've yeah. been marketed up to their eyeballs with social media and everything that's true Ads are way worse than ever before, but I think maybe they're seeing sort of the, I don't know. Part of it could be a lot of what we want to buy is for entertainment purposes. Like I want to buy stuff because it'll be fun to own it. And as a kid, I wanted Legos to play with. And these kids, they, they you don't have to pay for social media. So, but I still, it doesn't make sense. Shouldn't they want clothes? Or fancy watches or a tiger on a gold leash or something like that? What? <laughs> well, I think, no, nah, I don't know. that. This, I think, could be a really long conversation that I would love to have other people in. Because yeah. I remember wanting some of those material things when I was younger, but it was because I was consuming magazines where there were lots mm -hmm. of ads where I saw luxury brands and things like that. Mm -hmm. And now I don't see those things in marketing as much. Mm. And... I think marketing that people see as individuals is much is differentiated enough that maybe what young people see now isn't what their peers are seeing. Mm -hmm. Like they're getting served more relevant content. 
I, and I mm. use relevant in quotation marks. Yeah. But I wonder about that too, because there's not the, the single marketing um, channels that are pushing out the same message to a broad audience. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. And I wonder too, if, if Gen Z isn't going to be much more savvy about handling online marketing, because I find it easy to ignore some of the marketing I encounter on the internet, but I also find it annoying. For instance, scrolling through Instagram, if every third or fourth post is an ad, it's just easy enough to flip through it. Like I don't feel affected by it to the point that I get annoyed when I start to feel manipulated. Like I know that I did a search somewhere else and now I'm getting fed this this advertisement that kind of aligns with what I was searching for to the point that I just will turn off social media in a few moments. Cause I just don't want to deal with any of that algorithmic ranking. Right. I think that brings up a good point that there's so much more clutter now than there was when we were kids. Yeah. When I was a kid, we didn't have a remote control and TV was basically one of the biggest ways that we were exposed to advertising so you sit and you'd watch morning cartoons and there'd be an advertisement for gi joe or transformers and you just sat through it and you watched it the entire cartoon was an advertisement for the toy exactly (laughs) right and there was it wasn't like there were a hundred different ads or anything like that you you got these very basic ads that were all very compelling and then it was back to the show which like you said it was another ad for another you you got a transformers ad while you were watching transformers and you had a very catchy jingle that stuck in your head Mm -hmm. transformers more than meets the eye thank you what was the gi joe one uh, oh pound puppies he was the real american hero yeah yep (laughs) exactly this stuff stuck with us exactly pound puppies which I can't remember off the top of my head, but you remember that one, don't I, you? It was the jingle we played a few episodes yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Was that, then there was the My Buddy. My was Buddy. <laughs> my Buddy. Dun, dun. I can't remember They're that. all stuck in you. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I wonder if Gen Z, when they be, get to be our age, if they could have a conversation like this. I don't know. I think the jingles are mostly gone. They'll have the god-awful McDonald's jingle in them their head because what is the new what is the current mcdonald's jingle well it's always the do 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 are they still loving it i think it's still that but i don't know anyway yeah so i think that's a good point i think i was making the point that they're exposed to ads more than anybody else but you're sort of saying like yeah and that makes them less i think there's a level of many ways desensitization because it's just going all going over their head because there are so many ads Yeah. yeah that's a good point they, as you can imagine, we saw this in our generation already to a degree. I was in a demographic where this didn't occur, but um, they're, they're getting married later, having kids later. Mm-hmm. But what's really interesting about Gen, um, Gen Z is they're also dating later. This is part of that growing up slowly. They're dating later and they're having sex later. What? Oh, airplane going over. I, was like, I don't even that understand noise? that. That defies hormones. I know. And they're not even that interested what? in it. I mean, I I know in my daughter's group, there's like a couple of girls who have boyfriends that I've seen. And it seems very strange to me. But the majority of her friends do not have boyfriends. And she's a senior. Huh. And have like never had boyfriends. 
And I'm just, I think, of course, this is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're a dad. And I, I, this is one where I'm like, this is totally cool. You know, waiting to have sex, waiting to, to date is fantastic. Um, waiting to marry. Now, waiting to have kids... That's fine, I think. I think there's many reasons why that's good. But I look at, you know, my buddy who's... Am I speaking of my buddy? My <laughs> buddy back in Michigan who's, of course, my age. But he's got kids that are, I think, like probably like seven and five. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sucka. <laughs> I'm going to be an Aww. empty nester next year, dude. And your ass is dragging. <laughs> that does happen. So there's a downside to waiting longer, but I don't... I don't think it's really that bad. And, you know, he just chose to kind of travel and he's went around the world with his wife mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, did a lot of that, that wild stuff when he was younger. So anyway, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on, yeah, the, the fact that they're just not, they'd rather play video games is insane to me. Well, shouldn't, I mean, shouldn't I their remember... body be taking over. <laughs> I remember being in high school and playing video games, but we were playing like Super Mario Mm -hmm. um, and all of the Nintendo games. Not to the point that I didn't have a boyfriend, though. Yeah, which are great games, but apparently not great enough to get your mind off of. No, they didn't supersede hormones. Hormones. Not even close. Whereas apparently their games are so good today that that it makes them forget. I don't even understand that. Hormones. I know. <laughs> I didn't think anything could do that. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. So that's uh, another characteristic that I'm inclined to say in general, I think is is great. We could see, you know, real declines in um, teen pregnancy and, and other things that, that can throw people's life course off a bit. Um. They're also more inclusive, LGBT, gender, race, and whatnot, which is very exciting, I -hmm. think, as well, because our generation grew up thinking it's totally cool to make fun of homosexuals. That and, yeah, the messaging that we got didn't really show a whole lot of diversity. No, that's true. Yep. So... I felt like we were pretty good on, at least my in my experience, we were pretty good on race. I remember in middle school wishing I was black because all the cool sports people were all black. You know, Michael Jordan and and the the a lot of the cool kids at school were actual um, minorities. We were bad at it because we didn't ever have any practice. We I like in rural Pennsylvania, we never oh, had. Oh yeah, we never we had that very... much diversity at all. Mm-hmm. So. It's not even that I thought we were good or bad. I never thought about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do remember in church one time, the pastor saying, if we want real racial reconciliation, we need to just like become friends with people from other races and go on trips with people of different races, that sort of level of friendship. And I thought that was bizarre. Hmm. That seemed very strange to me as a kid. But I was totally friends with with minority kids in, in school and... So I felt like that part we did great, probably better than generations before us. Although you certainly can give the boomers a lot of credit for the yeah. for the civil rights movement. But um, when it came to LGBT, we were terrible. Mm-hmm. I we relentlessly mocked people for having 
for, for, for being gay. Like that's gay and all that stuff. And it, it was totally acceptable. And homosexuality was completely alien to us. It was alien. And I remember people would say things were gay and I hadn't internalized what that actually mm-hmm. had meant. Yep. Cause it was still foreign. I used to, yeah. I, me and my buddies, we perfected our like gay voices and that was a guaranteed hilarious thing. Everybody always laughed when we did our gay voices. Hmm. It never once crossed my mind that that would be hurtful to anybody. Right. In fact, I remember in high school doing a book report with another guy where we did a kind of a parody of the In Living Color. They had a like men on books or something thing where they were also making fun of gay men. I've never seen it though. Yeah, I think it was In Living Color. We did a similar thing. We got an A and we were basically just pretending to be gay. This hmm. is like 1994-ish. Right. And I didn't even read the book, I don't think. And I was amazed that I got such a good grade. And now I think back to that and I think, oh my gosh, that was awful. Absolutely awful. Right. But we were completely oblivious to it. So... I'm excited. This is one thing I think is pretty safe to say is exciting to see that. People are getting the message. They're getting the message and there's much more awareness about how people who are different aren't necessarily bad. I mean, look at all the... People that are different, like difference is good. Right. Evil is bad. Right. (laughs) Difference is good. Yeah. But the idea of a guy dressing up like a woman in high school, that would have never had be considered like a legitimate expression of who you are as a person. Right. That was a straight up, you did it to make people laugh. And if anybody did it seriously, it was because they were crazy. Hmm. And I'm obviously feel very regretful about how we treated it, but I'm very encouraged by how that's just not an issue anymore. Yeah. Which to me feels like happened very quickly, but then I have to remind myself I haven't been in high school in like 20 years. And I think it is still <laughs> so, an issue in some places. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. But there's but definitely like, more inclusivity. Right. When you start seeing um, transgender people getting elected into politics, even up here in Fairbanks, yeah, start to see like, okay, we're making progress. But yeah, it certainly took a while. So very excited to see that about Gen Z. Kudos to you on that. Um. Yeah. Other than that, um, politically, they seem, seem to be running more independent, not so inclined to latch on to a political party like yeah. previous generations and just stick with it through hell or high water, mm-hmm. which I think is good. I think it's good, too. And um, yeah. So do you think it's important for generations to be did i ask this question already like i still wonder the definition of a generation to me seems like it could be flexible but definitely should be flexible depending on context because it seems like earlier generations having that interval that is about 30 years makes sense because the people in those age cohorts were having similar experiences for a longer period of time And the things that would maybe mark the milestones of those cohorts might be a war. As opposed to now, there's kind of technological jumps. Yeah. 
where things feel like they're speeding up much more quickly. In a generation that spans 30 years, a lot happens in 30 years now, culturally, mm-hmm. that much that people have much greater access to. And I wonder if because of that, generations become defined by shorter periods of time. And when you first had pitched uh, the iGen to me, I thought that it was being named as a smaller subset of Gen Z. But you, that's not what you're saying at all. No. She just wants to rename Gen Z. I think she wants to rename Gen Z. Yeah, okay. it seems to be still pretty close to what the age range, the, the birth year range is of, of Gen Z. So I, I'm glad you brought that up because this is something I actually talked to my daughter about yesterday. Um, I said that Gen X never had to grow up because we never had a war. And that's why we're still like, children adult children i don't feel like an adult child i know you don't but sort of looking at the advent of failure to launch seems like failure to launch was a initially a gen x problem Mm, interesting okay i had like multiple family members and 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 kids i grew up with who just did not get out of the house when they should have. Took them a long time to get out of the house. And some sort of never did in a way. Hmm. And I I kind of credited, I, I felt like that was a product of, you know, the great-grandparents had World War One and World War Two to a degree. Grandparents had World War Two. Our parents had Vietnam. We had what? The Gulf War? Like a six-day war where 75 people died or something like that americans there was that um we had the you know we had 9-11 and the wars in iraq and afghanistan but they came a little bit later for us people who were deployed to bosnia and yeah but there was never draft Hmm. where gen x is the first generation never to experience a a draft Mm -hmm. in a in a long time in america right and so what did we have to rebel against? What did we have that sort of cut our cord between cut the cord between our generation and our parents? Like That's And I a, could be totally wrong about this. I couldn't wait to leave my parents' place personally, but I think that was more a regional mindset than it mm-hmm. was a cultural mindset. Just yeah. like broad generational culture. I was excited too. But I feel like I was being treated like a kid until I didn't maybe even after I thought I got tired of being treated like a kid and I thought maybe if I get married and have kids I'll finally be treated like an adult I think that our parents treated us like kids longer too hmm. way more than their parents did I think that's interesting our our parents were like we were, you know, there was no, there's a, a lot less of like a sort of loving, caring household in many ways. And in the same sort of respect that we grew up with, where children were to be cherished. And then this, our generation's kids, which are treated like um, all the future rides on them and they exist to achieve everything we never achieved and. 
<clears throat> you know, my daughter doesn't have to have a job because I want her to do her homework and she doesn't have to do chores because I want her to participate in sports and do all this stuff where can you imagine our parents not having to do chores? I can't imagine me not. Having I, to I was going to say, I can't imagine me not having to do chores. <laughs> that was a part of learning responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think we, we grew up, but to a lesser extent than our parents. And I think future generations, unless there's something that they have, you know, like a real shocking rebellion. I think they're just going to, they're going to stay kids their whole life. And that ties in a little bit to what we were talking about, about you recently feeling like you're not in connection with the kid inside you anymore. I think that's more just because uh, my, my personal life has not involved regular contact with, with kids. Hmm. And it's more, well, it's a combination of, of that and recently just feeling disconnected because COVID disconnected everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to be single and you're, you know, in, in a, whatever you're living in a house or an apartment or something like that, you're just not communicating with a whole lot of people face to face. And so that's really, I think more of what that felt, that feeling was caused by it's not that I don't feel I could f- have a more, I guess, childlike perspective on the world if I had chosen to have kids. Yeah, but it seemed to me like you were lamenting the fact that you had forgotten how to be childlike. I think it was. it's really just because of the company that I had been keeping. But you don't think it's important to content to have a sort of inner child who's capable of just sort of who likes to have fun yeah but there are just some things that i have not been practiced at because it takes a group of people (laughs) like i like to play jokes on people the things you know kind jokes on people Mm -hmm. like friends yeah but there's i don't know i think this is complex and the short answer is I, I think it's just because the the individuals that I spend the most time with tend to be um, academically focused people that mm-hmm. don't play hide and seek. <laughs> I don't know. I just think like our parents never would have really worried about their inner child. I mean, it might have started a little bit with them. I feel like you'd have some self-help books in the 80s or something. Like, Find your inner child for the boomers, but certainly <laughs> no my grandparents with... never cared about that. Yeah. I mean, I'll, the nature of what I do with my free time, like I experiment with materials. I like clay and wax and I'll play around with those types of things like a kid would or I'll draw, mm-hmm. but would I go outside and you know, that's, that's a hard thing. Cause again, like would I go outside and throw a football? Maybe if there was someone to throw a football <laughs> with. That just makes me sound like sad Charlie Brown. I'd be very impressed if you went out through football without someone to throw it to. That's <laughs> just throw it across the yard, walk over, pick it up. Well, I think as an example to support my premise that You just want to prove your point. That <laughs> our parents were not so much into like finding their inner kid, etc. As when I went to visit my grandparents, which is fairly rare thing they're about an hour away 
me and my sister played in the basement with toys mm-hmm. while the parents talked upstairs. That's true. They did not come down and play with us. They didn't even sit down there by us. They want to play talk. Legos? My grandparents had some pretty awesome old toys. <laughs> they did not have Legos, unfortunately, but I think they were my uncle's old toys or something. But they had some pretty, pretty cool toys. So it was fun, but the parents were in no way involved in that at all. Yeah. They were upstairs doing parent things. Kids were downstairs doing kid things. And That's the, true. The two never crossed. Not that I loved my grandfather. He was a super sweet guy. We got a picture of him pushing me in my little pedal car, and he built me a tree fort one time, but he didn't play with me in the tree fort. My parents never played with me in the tree fort. They supplied things for me. They supplied toys, but when it came to playing, you're on your own. And now, you know, every time... My daughter is with me. I'm like, we got to play a game together. We got to, we got to interact. This is how, this is how you build connection with kids. And mm-hmm. I think Gen Z is not going to have a problem finding their inner kid. I think they're going to have a problem finding their inner adult. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, you've got the let's move on face and, and I have the, I, I got to go to the bathroom bladder. <laughs> So let's talk about what blew us away in this last week. You go first. Okay. Um, Poor, the poor sides of cities tend to be the east sides, big cities. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That blew me away and certainly not, doesn't apply everywhere. Like I grew up in the east side of Lansing, which is actually kind of the nicer part. But the, this comes from the fact that we tend to have, prevailing winds from the west and big cities had a lot of gross smells from you know horse manure and sewage and um ex, ex, uh, what are smokestacks and what and that would all blow east okay so the poor people the, the cheaper property tended to be on the east side of towns never thought about this yeah so it's not going to apply everywhere it's mainly going to apply to towns that were developing mm-hmm. when earlier in the 20th century and And with horses and with horses you know yeah (laughs) which they all were back then um and then the west side is the more wealthy side because that's the side where you didn't have to smell all that stuff huh so anyway (laughs) keep that in mind the next time you go to you know a medium or or larger city that would have been around in the at least in the early 20th century the east side is the stinky side? The east side will be the stinky side. Huh. Well, not stinky anymore. It'll be the poorer side now. Okay. But thank goodness for the automobile, which saved us from the horse poo literally running in the streets. That's why a gentleman walks on the gutter side to protect the lady from the poo splashing forth. We had a major horse poo problem, and the car saved us from that. That's interesting and counter to what i had thought i thought guys are supposed to walk on the outside so they're more likely to get hit by passing traffic we're saying the same thing at the gutter side i'm saying the gutter of the street yes okay now i think it's more to yeah because of traffic but interesting yeah (laughs) it's exhausting because i am a gentleman you know so i always try and walk on the street side And when you're in a street, like I was in New Orleans one time and, uh, you know, you're constantly crossing streets and 
constantly trying to get on the outside and it's just like after a while you're exhausted so the one time i was like i'm tired of this it doesn't really matter anymore i'm just gonna walk on the inside for this one block and well whatever it'll be fine a dude driving some people in a carriage says if you love her put her on the inside <laughs> called you out called me out <laughs> so after that i was like fine did you punch his carriage punched his horse no Aww. no i was very irritated because if he but you know that's the way which i appreciate you now when i see a guy walking with a woman and she's on the street side i'm like ah chivalry's dead <laughs> But most women I walk with have no idea what I'm doing. They're like, why do you keep running around behind me? I'm like, I have to be on the street side. <laughs> and I just find it, I think, annoying. Such a gentleman. <laughs> Anyhow. What, so funny. what blew you away this week, it also ties into the topic for next week, right? It does. So I, a while back, I had watched a movie, the movie Valerian, City of a Thousand Planets. and it's Valerian, a- R-I-A-N. Yes, like okay. the plant, Valerian. Oh, and there's a plant? There's a plant called Valerian, too. It grows here in Alaska. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Anyway, it's a story that's based on a comic book, and it's really well done as a movie. And I was reminded just this weekend, because I rewatched it, and they do such a really good job just in the span of the length of a movie building a world that is totally plausible hmm. and fun and exciting and energetic. The, uh, the CG is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so always surprised that it didn't get more recognition when it came out. So I just wanted to take an opportunity to watch the movie again with you. Cause you've never seen it. No. And Cause I talk- have to pay four bucks to rent it. Oh, it's terrible. I know. talk about some of the things that it does well but also talk about some of the technology that's in the movie too because they project um hundreds of years into the future Hmm. and just seeing some of the things that the conventions that they come up with i think is interesting okay yeah valerium valerian Valerian with an n with an n available on amazon prime right now yeah probably other places to rent you could also buy it on blu-ray I made the mistake of buying a movie I haven't seen before once. I thought once? it would be cool. I'm never doing that again. It's a good movie. It was an inconvenient truth, which was a good documentary, but you don't <laughs> need to see it twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Kristen, thanks so much. <laughs> We're off again next week as I my travels continue taking advantage of low flight costs. But, Please uh, write and complain that to, Rob takes too many trips. Yeah, I'm sure. They'd be writing thanking me, <laughs> sending me air miles. My goodness. Thanks for listening to the In Stuff podcast. If you'd like to join the discussion or see links to the things we referenced in today's episode, feel free to pop on over to instuffpodcast.com. That's the letter N, stuffpodcast.com. If you're enjoying the InStuff podcast, check out my other podcast, Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. In each episode, we share amazing true stories from Alaska told by the Alaskans who experienced them. The New York Times recently called Dark Winter Nights the best winter podcast for storytelling lovers. Check out Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, wherever you get your podcasts or at darkwinternights.com. 
The InStuff podcast is sponsored by ScratchBand. Just stop touching your face. Don't make me explain why anymore. It's gross. I don't care if you buy ScratchBand or come up with some other way to do it, but just quit. I mean, it's the easiest way I've found to quit touching my face, but you know, whatever works for you. ScratchBand, join the evolution. More information at scratchband.life, also available on amazon.com.